Hi, my name is Jackie Marcel, and I serve here at Heights Baptist Church in the children's ministry. Thank you so much for joining us online. If you would like to connect with us, we have a Facebook page, Instagram, and our website, which is heightschurch.org connect. Thank you so much for joining us today. You know, one of the things that we're going to talk about in the passage this morning is the importance of everyone being able to be included in our worship. Now, one of the most exciting parts uh, of, of being a, a follower of Jesus that in my life has been the ability to be a part of uh, short-term foreign mission trips. I just, I, I love it. And I went to Mexico on a mission trip for the first time when I was in the seventh grade. And that began a lifetime love for the people of Mexico and seeing the gospel go to Mexico and being a part and building relationships in Mexico. I have literally been on so many Mexico mission trips that I can't remember how many I've been on. When I was a teenager, I went four, five, six times a year. Uh, when I first moved to Alvin, I was part of a church that sent a team twice a year. And so I've literally been south of the border on mission trips dozens of times. Now, the problem is that my Spanish is terrible, right? When I was a teenager, there were three things. I had three goals for my life, all right? I wanted to be able to play the guitar so that I could lead worship for, on a Mexico mission trip. I wanted a commercial driver's license so I could drive the church van for a Mexico mission trip. And I wanted to be fluent in Spanish so that I could translate for a Mexico mission trip. Those were the three things I wanted when I was a teenager. And, and I studied Spanish in high school, and I studied Spanish a little bit in college, but when I became an adult, I learned how to play the guitar, I became a worship leader, I, I learned how to drive a school bus, I got my commercial license, and then I decided, you know what, two out of three isn't bad. Because my Spanish is a disaster, all right? So what that means is sometimes we get onto the mission field and we've got a little bit of a failure to communicate. All right. I remember one time my junior high pastor was was playing guitar and leading worship for vacation Bible school in one of these in one of these um, uh, villages in Mexico. And he was singing Jesus loves me in Spanish, except the problem was instead of saying Cristo me ama, he said Cristo me amo. And all of a sudden all the kids started laughing and giggling because he's up there singing Jesus, I love myself. And then I got another, we got, it's always the VBS songs. It's always the songs with the hand motions, right? And so we had this song in Spanish, I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. I don't know if you guys ever sang that when you were kids, but we would sing pescadores yo os are. Okay, and pescadores, those are fishermen. The problem is pecadores, that means sinners. So if you say it wrong, you say pecadores. I will make you sinners of men. This is not good. Every once in a while, if you're not careful, something gets lost in the translation. And what we're going to talk about as we come uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 today is that sometimes we have to be careful that the good news of the gospel doesn't get lost in translation. So what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about, we've been in this series where we've been talking about the use of spiritual gifts and Paul has been talking about for three chapters now, this is the third chapter we're in, where Paul's talking about what spiritual gifts are and how we are to use them in the church. So before we dive into the text, I'm going to do a little bit of work with you guys. We're going to do some definitions, okay? And let me just kind of, kind of give this disclaimer or this caveat, all right? Um, we're going to talk about primarily this morning about how, uh, speaking in tongues and prophecy. These are two very controversial issues 
in the life of the church. You may have a very different understanding of the function of speaking in tongues and or prophecy depending on what kind of a church you grew up in, what kind of a background you have, you know, what kind of what kind of theologians are, are speaking into you. And so I think it's important for us to remember, okay, that these are an open-handed issue. What I mean by that is that these are areas where people who love Jesus and read their Bibles may disagree. And that's okay. We've got closed-handed issues in the Bible. Jesus, Jesus is God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. The Bible is true. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus rose again from the dead. And Jesus is coming back. Those are all closed-handed issues. Amen, church? When is Jesus coming back? We can have discussion about that. We've got, you know, there's different ideas about how the end times are going to work. Those are open-handed issues. Those are areas where the Bible's maybe not quite as clear. And so there's different, there's different discussions. There's different ideas about how that works. That's an open-handed issue. When we're talking about spiritual gifts like speaking in tongues and prophecy and how they function, there's different ideas of how those are supposed to work. And that's okay because, again, there are brothers and sisters who love Jesus and believe the Bible that are going to have differences of opinion on that. And that's okay. The definitions I'm going to give you right now are going to be very broad definitions. I'm going to give you just enough of a definition so that we can understand what Paul is saying as we walk through this chapter. And you are going to have questions, and that's okay. Next Sunday night, Pastor Lee and I are going to do a two-week-long um, small group Bible study in one of our equipped groups specifically over what are spiritual gifts and how they work. So if you've got questions, you hear, we get through halfway through chapter 14 today, and you're like, I've got questions about this gift of prophecy, or I've got questions about this gift of tongues. Write those questions down, send them to me, email them to me, or come next Sunday night, and let's talk about some of those questions. We're going to talk about all that stuff kind of more in detail. But for now, let's go ahead and just do some definitions real quick. All right, let's start with a definition of the gift of tongues. All right, the definition of the gift of tongues is the supernatural ability to speak in a previously unknown language. This is where the Holy Spirit empowers people to speak in a language that they don't know and they haven't studied. The, the, most, uh, the most clear example of this is in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit falls on the church. Uh, Jesus' disciples are in the upper room. This is after Jesus has risen from the dead. The Holy Spirit falls. Uh, they hear the sound like a rushing wind. They get tongues like, like fire on their heads. And they burst out of that room and they go into the streets preaching the gospel to everyone. And because it's a big festival feast day, there's people from all over the world there, and they miraculously hear the good news about Jesus in all different kinds of languages, all right? So that's the gift of tongues, the ability to speak in an otherwise unknown language. Now, how might that gift manifest itself like today? Let's say that maybe you're a person who's on a mission field, or maybe you're a person who lives right here in Houston, and there's so many different nationalities, because believe it or not, Houston is one of the most diverse uh, metropolitan areas in the country. And there's somebody from some other, from some other uh, part of the world, and y'all don't have a language in common, but that person needs the good news of the gospel. And so possibly the Holy Spirit empowers somebody to communicate and have a gospel conversation with that person where they don't share a language. That's a possible way in which that might work itself out today. But anyway, so there's your definition. Tongues is the supernatural gift to speak in a previously unknown language. 
Here's the issue with the way that tongues is being used in the church at Corinth. This is what Paul's going to be talking about. The issue at Corinth is that the brothers and sisters in that church are practicing this spiritual gift and they're speaking miraculously in an unknown language, but nobody in the church service knows the language. Nobody understands what's being said. That's the issue that you're running into. So let's talk about prophecy a little bit, okay? We hear that prophecy, and we think from a pop culture perspective, usually prophecy means predicting the future, right? You think about there's prophecies in Star Wars, there's prophecies in Harry Potter, there's prophecies about Neo in the Matrix. A lot of our pop culture is built around prophecies. The biblical idea of prophecy does include sometimes telling the future. There's, there's examples, and the, probably the most uh, obvious example is the prophecies that are about Jesus. You know, the fact that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem, that he was going to be of the line of David, that he was going to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, that he was going to be prophesied, and that he was going to be crucified. There's all of these things in the Old Testament where the prophets are predicting things about Jesus, things that are fulfilled in Jesus. But that's only a small part of what we call prophecy in the Old Testament. Most of the time, prophecy isn't foretelling, which is telling the future. It's forthtelling. It's men and women that God has supernaturally empowered to give his message to the people. It's someone who is able to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord. And so that's the majority of the prophecy that you see in the Old Testament. It's not necessarily predicting the future. Sometimes it's predicting the future, but most of the time it's giving a word uh, of what God says to the people. In the New Testament, you have examples uh, where prophets do predict the future. There's a guy named Agabus who pops up a couple times in the book of Acts uh, who God, you know, he gives him a, a glimpse of what's going to happen in the future and he's able to, to give that to the church. But again, the apostles are, are mostly, they're speaking God's words to God's people. So the definition that I would give you for prophecy in this, and I think this is how Paul is thinking about the gift of prophecy uh, when we come to 1 Corinthians 14, it's speaking the word of God, a word from God, or words about God. So in other words, the way I would think about um, the gift of prophecy in our church today would be primarily the gifts of preaching and teaching. It's the supernatural ability to take the word of God that we have from the apostles and the prophets and the ability to communicate that to God's people. You know, and another example might be where, you know, you're spending time uh, in your quiet time in the prayer and the Holy Spirit kind of lets you know that there's somebody in your small group or somebody, a friend who needs to hear a word from the Lord. And you might go to a friend and say, hey, brother, uh, I was I was reading my Bible the other day and, and I really feel like the Lord is, is asking me to, to pray this to pray this scripture over your life or to share the scripture with you. Those are two examples of like kind of a contemporary or a modern um, way that we might apply the gift of prophecy. All right, so again, broad definitions, lots of opinions on how this stuff works. If y'all have questions, y'all have to come back next Sunday night and we'll answer all your questions. Y'all ready to dig into the text? Let's go. All right, we're gonna start at uh, 1 Corinthians 14, chapter, one, uh, uh, chapter 14, verse one. This is what he says. He says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him. But he utter utters mysteries in the spirit. 
On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. You're going to see this throughout this passage, brothers and sisters. The big idea that Paul's going to keep coming back to over and over again is that the purpose of our spiritual gifts is to build up. And we want to be careful that we don't just build ourselves up with our spiritual gifts, but we want to build up everybody. What Paul's saying is, you know, the way that the spiritual gift of tongues is being exercised in that church because they're using this supernatural gift, but no one can understand what's being said, it's not building up the body of Christ. These folks that have this gift and they're speaking it in the church service, they're, they're building themselves up because they're doing an amazing thing and they're exercising an amazing gift that God has given them. But everybody else is standing around going, I don't understand what's going on. I don't get it. I'm lost. I'm feeling left out. I'm being excluded. You know, as a worship pastor, there's something very near and dear to my heart. There is a, there, there is kind of a, an attitude that we have towards worship sometimes that I think is incomplete. And, and, and the attitude is this. The attitude is, is when I come to the worship service, I really want it to just be about me and God. Just me and God. I just, I want all of the distractions gone and I want to just be able to focus on the Lord and I, and I just don't, I don't even want to be able to, I don't want to have to pay attention to anybody else around me. Now, if you are a runner or if you like to go for a drive or if you like to go for the gym and you've got ear pods, okay, getting alone with the Lord where it's just you and your running shoes and your ear pods and Jesus, that's awesome. All of us should be spending time one-on-one -on -one Loving the Lord, praying to the Lord, worshiping the Lord, reading our Bibles, studying our Bibles, spending time in prayer. That's something that is very necessary for all of us to do. But when we gather on Sunday morning, worship isn't just about us. Worship is about all of us. It's all of us worshiping together. You know, in, in, uh, right around the corner from my house right now, they're building a Burger King right? And I'm not going to lie, every time they build something new in Alvin, I get kind of excited because it's always nice to have like a couple of options, you know what I mean? It's like nice to have some new place to go, some new place where I can take the kids. And I was sort of disappointed when I found out it was going to be a Burger King because they've got the Burger King right next to the Wendy's and the McDonald's. I kind of feel like we've already got that covered, but that's what they're doing. Well, do you guys remember Burger King and like they, they used to have the commercials that said, have it, have it your way? And that is a great way to have a burger, Right, if you're gonna go and get a Whopper and you're gonna say, I want this, I want no pickles, I want extra onions, I want ketchup, I don't want mayo, that's not a good attitude to have when you come to church. You see, I think the mistake that we can make sometimes because we want worship to be about building ourselves up and we neglect building others up. And brothers and sisters, we want to exercise our spiritual gifts in a way that builds up not just ourselves, but builds up the body of Christ. So what does that look like? If I want to build up myself, I walk into the worship center and I said, oh, you know, that's my seat. You know, that's the seat that I always sit in and I'm much more comfortable in that seat. If you want to build up the body, you say, 
Good morning, my name's Matt, we've never met before. Can I help you find a place to sit? If you're concerned about building yourself up, you, you might have an attitude that says, you know what, I don't know this song, and I don't like this song. And Matt's singing the hymns wrong again. When you build up the body, you say, you know what, I, I don't know this song, and this isn't my favorite song, but you know what, I, I, the words are on the screen, and I'm going to take a shot at it. Because I'm going to add my voice to the voice of the congregation. Because we are singing God's word and the truths about God to each other. The, 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 the verse that is the kind of the, the cornerstone uh, for our worship ministry here at Heights is Colossians 3.16. And it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So brothers and sisters, when we come together for worship and we're singing, you know, the band may be up here, but we are preaching the gospel to each other when we sing those songs. So bless your neighbor with your voice. But Pastor Matt, you have not heard me sing. My, sing. my voice is not a blessing to anybody. I promise the band is louder. Add your voice. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And bless everyone else in the room knowing with the truth of God's word that comes out of your mouth. We need to be about building up the church. Not just building up ourselves. You know, one more, one more I thought about was, you know, if you're concerned about yourself, you might say, oh my gosh, that kid was making so much noise. I was so distracted. If you're concerned about building up the body, you go to that parent after the service and you say, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for bringing your little ones. I'm so glad that our church is a church that's filled with babies and children. Amen? We need to be about building up. So I want to ask you guys, how are we using our spiritual gifts to build up the church and not just ourselves? And Paul's going to go ahead and continue. And, and he's going to illustrate why it's so important that when we gather for worship, everyone can understand what's being said. So we're going to pick up in verse 6. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues... How will it benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is being played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that's not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of a language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. There's those words again, building up the church. You see, the problem with the way that the gift of speaking tongues is being exercised in Corinth is that people are being left out and people are being excluded. And I love this because, because we finally get music sermon illustrations, okay? And I'm not going to lie. Usually, Paul, he does lots of farming illustrations, okay? And I'm a city boy. I never spent any time on a farm. So when he's talking about, like, sowing seed and grain and crops and all that, I have no idea because I, I was not a future farmers of America, okay? I have no idea how any of that stuff works. 
you know? Or he uses sports illustrations. Okay, I'm not a jock, okay? So, you know, when he's talking about running the race and the boxing match and all that, I'm kind of like nodding along, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I think I know what he's talking about. But when he talks about music illustrations, now, now, we're, in, now we're in something that I understand, you know? And so he talks about the bugle blast. All right, and so I did this experiment with a couple of people. You know, if you hear if you hear a bugle go what does that mean? Oh, that, that was weak, you guys. Let's do that one more time. Yeah, my kids had no idea what it meant. They need to watch better movies. I did that to my kids at the, at the breakfast table. They had no idea what was going on. They were like, I don't get it. I was like, we got to watch Back to the Future. I'm going to show you guys how this works. But you guys know that, that sound on that bugle tells you exactly what you're supposed to be doing, all right? But if, you do, but if, the, if the trumpeter's no good or the bugle player's no good, you're like, rah, 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 rah. what does that mean? It's just noise, you know? And I think about the same thing. Okay, so this is not the guitar that I normally play on Sunday morning. This is the extra guitar that somebody gave me that just kind of sits in a corner of my office. It hasn't been tuned in a really long time. So does anybody know what this sound is right here? Does anybody know what that sound is? That's the sound of one of my kids getting into my office without permission. That's what that sound is. You know, and, and if you're a theory nerd, you can say, well, that's an E minor 11. But really, it's just, it's just noise. It's not a song. It's not a sound, it's just noise. You see, in order to take that sound and make it into something that's intelligible, you gotta put your fingers down and you gotta tune it up. So the question you gotta ask yourself is, is what does it mean to tune up when it comes to our spiritual gifts? It means to use our spiritual gifts in a way where other people are included. Right now, now I'm thinking, okay, this is a Baptist church. Okay. This is not like a Pentecostal church. So I, it's going to kind of surprise me if there's a lot of people in here that, that speak in tongues when they're, when they're in their life group. Okay. That's probably not something that a lot of us do on a weekly basis. Maybe you do. And, and, and if you do, that's great. Praise God for that. But I'm kind of guessing that that's not something that's like really common um, in our church, but you know what is kind of common in our church? We tend to use a lot of Bible words. Sometimes when we get into our life groups, we kind of speak some Christian ease at each other. You know what I'm saying? Like all of us, we have a tendency to sort of assume that everybody in the room has got kind of the same level of Bible knowledge that, that we have. You know, and there's a lot of words that we use without necessarily taking the time to explain what they mean. And so that means that younger people or newer people or new believers or guests, they may, they may feel kind of left out, like, what is Matt talking about? You know, well, I, I love to leave, lead a life group, but, like, whenever I lead my life group, it tends to kind of turn into a seminary class. Like, I want markers and a whiteboard, and I like to use big words. Pastor Lee's always making fun of me for using big words. But it's like, ah, that's, that's the world that I live in. I love to just nerd out on the Bible. One of the things that I am so grateful for in, in my life group is we've got a few folks in there that have not been walking with Jesus for that long. They've been Christians a relatively short amount of time, and they ask great questions. And that's so important for us to remember that we need to include everyone when the body of Christ gathers together. 
You know, I remember there was a young lady in our life group a couple of years back. She had grown up in this church. She had been a part uh, of our student ministry and she'd been a part of our worship ministry. And we were all sitting there talking about, you know, and, and she just one day she just kind of raised her hand. She's like, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to study my Bible. I don't know how to have a quiet time. And this was a girl that was here like all the time. And it was an important reminder to me that all of us are on this spiritual journey in different places. And that's why it's so important for us to take the time to help those who maybe haven't been following Jesus as long as we have. That's also why I'm so grateful for the fact that we have children's ministry here at Heights, that we have student ministry here at Heights, that we have special needs ministry here at Heights, that we can take our spiritual gifts and we can tune them up in such a way that everyone can be included because we desire to love and to lead all people all people to a new life with christ so kind of the second question i want us to ask ourselves this morning is how are we using our spiritual gifts to include everyone you know what is god calling you to do is god calling you to show up for a teenager is he calling you to tell little ones about Jesus? Is he calling you to come alongside a child or a young adult with special needs and give them that extra little bit of help that will allow them to worship and to be included in the life of the church? How do we need to use our spiritual gifts? How do we need to tune them up and use them in a way that includes everybody? And Paul continues, and I think this is the point where he kind of nailed down, nails down exactly what the issue is with the way that the Corinthians are speaking in tongues. And again, he doesn't tell them not to do it. He doesn't tell them that it's a bad thing. He says, look, we, we got to put some guardrails on this thing. There's a proper way and an improper way to do it. And mostly it has to do with making sure that everyone is included. I'm going to pick it up at verse 13. This is what he says. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he doesn't know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. There's that phrase again, not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. You see, the issue that's going on in Corinth is that the people that have this gift of speaking in tongues, they are so excited about this gift that they're doing something that doesn't include anyone else and it doesn't build anyone else up. They're being kind of selfish or childish with their gifts. Now, how, how, many, how many parents we got in here, huh? How many parents, right? There is nothing more selfish and self-absorbed and narcissistic than a toddler, amen? I can tell you, I had four of them. All right, and when those, when those ones are, when they are a little man, there is nothing outside the world that exists beyond them. It is all about them 
all the time. One of the things that I get excited about as a parent is I get to watch them grow out of that you know, and so now that my oldest is 12, he's kind of begun to understand that there is a world outside of him and there are other people in the world that matter besides him, you know. Now my six-year-old, she's not quite as far along that process, all right, but she's getting there, amen, and you know, by God's grace, she's going to get to a place too. She's still the baby and you just, you just talk to her about it, she'll tell you, you know, that it's still all about her, but, but you know, but that's the thing is like what Paul is saying here is when it comes to our spiritual gifts, Brothers and sisters, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. And the question that I want us to ask this morning is, how are we being childish or how are we being selfish with our spiritual gifts? You know, I, I was listening to one preacher this week when I, was, when I was preparing for this message, and he had a really good point. He says, you know what? If you have the spiritual gift of hospitality, do you ba just bake muffins for yourself or do you bake the muffins for everybody? He says, if you have the spiritual gift of teaching, do you go stand alone in a classroom at a whiteboard and, 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 and talk about God's word all by yourself? No, if you have the spiritual gift of hospitality, you show that hospitality to others. And if you have the spiritual gift of teaching, your job is to teach others. And he says, and if you have the spiritual gift of tongues, you need to exercise it in a way that it builds up others. And so I want you to ask, how are we being selfish or childish with our gifts? Are there areas in our life where we're kind of leaving our gifts to ourselves? Where we're holding on to something that God has called us to share with the body or share with the community? You know? Is God calling you to get into a life group so that you can get to know some people and be an encouragement to some people? Is God calling you to help out in the, the kids' men or to help out in the student ministry or maybe jump up on the worship team? We need tenors and we need altos. I'm just saying, and we need choir people. So you talk to me afterwards. Do you have a gift that God's calling you to share with the church and share with the world that you've been keeping to yourself? Are you being generous with your time and your talent and your resources? Brothers and sisters, your church needs you. The body of Christ needs you. And there is a world that is watching that desperately needs your gifts. So if, if there's places in, in your life and there's, there's places in our lives where we've been kind of selfish with what God has given us, then brothers and sisters, it's time to grow up. The last thing that Paul talks about is he talks about the fact that there is a lost world that's watching. This is what he says. He says in verse 21, in the law, it is written. And he's, he's quoting from the Old Testament here. He's actually quoting from the book of Isaiah. He says, in the law, it is written by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. And even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say, y'all are out of your minds? But if all prophesy 
and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. That verse when he says that tongues are a sign for unbelievers, but prophecy is a sign for believers, that's a tricky verse, so let me just unpack that for you a little bit. What he's saying is this, in order to understand the gospel, you have to receive the gospel. There is a, there's a quote that is often attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, though uh, church history people and, and, and buffs will tell you that St. Francis probably never said this, but it's, it's, it's a, a quote that you may have heard before. It says, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. And usually when people say that, what they're talking about is brothers and sisters talk is cheap. You know? And they're saying it's not enough to just say that we love Jesus. We need to show that we love Jesus. We need to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And, and I would say there's, abs that's, there's absolutely truth in that. You know, first, first John says, let us not just in word, but in deed and in action. We want to be a church that's a serving church. We don't want to just be in our community. We want to be for our community. But this is the thing. We also need to be a sharing church. We don't want to be a church that just knows the gospel. We want to be a church that shares the gospel. And so I would say is preach the gospel at all times when necessary use words and brothers and sisters words are always necessary. Always. You can have people in your community that say hey you know those people at Heights Baptist Church they're nice people. All right. They don't know that the reason we're nice people is because Jesus died on our cross, died on the cross in our place for our sins and that we put our life in his name. You can't get from point A to point B without a gospel conversation. You are never going to have somebody who, who's, who can somehow get from, you know, you know, Matt is a nice neighbor, you know, or Tommy is a nice guy to, you know, Jesus died for my sins without us telling them. So the final thing I want to point out about this passage is sometimes, brothers and sisters, we got to speak up. And Paul kind of, he kind of sets it up like a hypothetical, right? He kind of uses it, he kind of sets up a hypothetical because we've already talked about how, you know, that not everyone has the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues because all of us have different gifts, right? But he says, okay, hypothetically speaking, let's say that everybody in the church is speaking in tongues, all right? And we're all speaking in tongues all at the same time. Somebody comes in, a, a, a visitor or a guest, and they're like, these people are nuts, like, this is, this is totally crazy what's going on here. He says, okay, but let's just say that hypothetically speaking that everybody in the church is prophesying, right? And again, not everybody's going to do that at the same time, and not everybody has that gift. But Paul's saying, okay, hypothetically speaking, if everyone did have that gift, people walk in off the street, and every single person that they meet says, let me tell you about what Jesus has done. Let me tell you about this verse that I was reading. Let me tell you what, you know, what, when I was praying in my quiet time, God pressed upon my heart a, a piece of scripture that I want to share with you. Brother, can, can, can I come, can I, can I give you a word, a word from the Lord from scripture? Can I, can I do that for you? That happens and people's lives are changed. You know, and I, I think sometimes, you know, we want to pray for revival. We want to pray that God is going to do this incredible thing in our midst. 
And what we want is this like supernatural outpouring of the Spirit to do this incredible thing in our church. What God begins to do incredible things in our church when people encounter the good news of the gospel. And that happens when we have gospel conversations. That's why at our church we have what's called a four-by-four plan. We want you to find four people who don't know Jesus. We want you to pray for those four people. We want you to invite those four people to stuff, you know, stuff that you're doing at your house, stuff that we're doing at church. And we want you to have gospel conversations with those people. Let me tell you about the Lord and what he's doing in my life. Scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Paul says, you know, speaking in tongues is great, but speaking in tongues in a language that nobody understands is not going to communicate the gospel. You know what's going to communicate the gospel? The gospel is going to communicate the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. So the final question I want to ask you this morning is, who is God calling you to speak to? Who needs to hear the truth of God's word in your life? Is there somebody in your life group that needs a word of encouragement from you? Do you have a friend or a neighbor who's lost, who needs to hear the good news about what Jesus has done for you? Do you have a friend in, in church or maybe not in church that, you're, that you've been praying for that needs to know that you've been praying for them? Who needs to hear the truth of God's word from us? Because brothers and sisters, sometimes we got to speak up. Let us use our gifts to build others up and not just ourselves. Let's tune up our gifts so that everyone can be included. Let's grow up. Let's not be childish or selfish with the gifts that God has given us. And finally, let's speak up because there is a world out there that desperately needs the good news of the gospel. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back. We're going to, uh, in a moment, we're going to go to prayer and we're going to finish with a couple of songs at the end of the service. But I would invite you guys right now to just kind of bow your heads. I want you to take just a couple of moments and I want you to think through those questions that we've been asking for the last few minutes. I want you to ask, is there a place where I can use my gifts to build others up and not just myself? Do I need to tune up my gifts in a way so that others can be included? Are there places in my life where I'm being childish or selfish? Where are those places in my life where I need to grow up? Where do I need to be more generous with God, what God has given me? And finally, who needs to hear a word from the Lord from me? Who needs to hear the truth of the gospel from me? Who is it that needs to hear that Jesus Christ entered into human history, 
lived for 30 years to show us how to live, lived a perfect light, taught us how to follow him, died on a cross in our place for our sins, rose on the third day so that when we place our faith and our hope and our trust in him, we can have eternal life that starts right now and stretches on into eternity. Who needs to hear that from us this morning? Maybe the person who needed to hear that was right here this morning. Maybe you're hearing that for the first time, or maybe you're coming to understand it for the first time. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you. Thank you for Heights Baptist Church. Lord, thank you for the way that they love and serve one another. Thank you for the way that they love and serve children and students and adults and people with special needs. Lord, I am surrounded by brothers and sisters that have been given such incredible gifts. Lord, help us to always use those gifts for your glory. Help us to use those gifts to build up your church. Help us to tune up those gifts so that everyone can be included, so that all people can have new life in Christ. Lord, help us to grow up. Help us to be mature in the gifts that you've given us and use them in a way that is mature. Help us not to be selfish or stingy with what you've given us. And Lord, give us the courage to speak up, to share the good news about Jesus with our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers and our fellow students and our children. God, we worship you. and We rejoice in what you're doing here in our church and in our community. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.